Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the patient program's assistant here at Breast Friends. In my spare time, I write a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of those of you listening live. I think I might have some green in my pajamas this morning, but I might need some more coffee to find it. And we are sending our love and support out to Becky Olson, who can't be here today. But we just wanted to say, Becky, we love you and hope to talk to you soon. So as I mentioned last week, I'm going to be hosting Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio going forward. And I had two guests scheduled today, but sometimes life happens. And today, you just get me. Thankfully, I'm an oversharer, and I love to talk about myself. I'm going to go with the flow, and I thought I would share some of my blog posts that I've written over the past few years, mainly to let all of you out there know you are not alone in various life situations. Some cancer, some not, but all exhausting. Something we're all experiencing right now is COVID fatigue. A little over a year ago, I wrote this post entitled, Fear. Here we go. I've not written on my blog in over a year. Why? I can think of many reasons, but the one that pops to my mind is currently fear. If I keep writing on a consistent basis and working towards my book, then it would go out to the world. People would read it and then have opinions on my story, which is terrifying to me. As much as I love being the center of attention, for some reason, this is different. I blame it on lack of time, how tired I am all the time, and the pain that took over my body in 2019. But if I really look deep, it is the fear of the future. I think fear is encompassing so many of us right now with what is going on around us. COVID-19 has sparked a mild panic and become an internet sensation and created an immense need for toilet paper, apparently. The 2020 presidential election has all of us in fear, no matter if you are red or blue or a nice shade of purple. And there are so many more things that we worry about all day, every day. I personally am a giant ball of anxiety most of the time. And the rest of the time, I'm sleeping. I literally could sit here all day and be afraid, not focusing on the life going on around me, wondering if COVID is going to affect my life or someone that I personally know. I will not look past any headlines about the virus. My husband and breast friend tell me what I need to know. If I research it, I will spiral and decide that we are never leaving the house again and be very thankful for Amazon Prime. Our family is headed to Disneyland in a few weeks. It is literally one of my favorite places in the world. It might actually be a close second to Italy, but we definitely can't go there at the moment. I've been super excited about this trip for months. The kids have not been in years. My son does not remember it as we went last time for his third birthday. Yet I could go every six months and be in heaven. But should we be going? I'm afraid of what could happen. A friend and I were supposed to head down to Los Angeles last Thursday for our Young Survivors Coalition Conference. She and I decided not to go. 
the last thing we would want is to bring back a virus to the immunocompromised women that we work with. Two days later, the entire conference was canceled by the YSC to protect the health of the attendees. It was the right call, but man, I was really looking forward to a fun and informative four days away. My oncology group was also hosting a talk on March 17th about updates in the breast cancer community. This was also just canceled to protect patients' health. Now I sit here and wonder, how afraid should we really be? The adult in my head says, stay home. Don't go to Disneyland. Go later in the year when it will be less crowded. Space Mountain will always be there. But the kid in me says, woohoo! Maybe a lot of other people will stay home and the lines will be shorter. I made plans to meet up with my best friend while we were down there, and I had texted her about it. Her response when I said that I was waffling about canceling and that I had been reading the news from Disneyland. Um, what effing news from Disneyland? Because I ain't canceling either. I guess that settles it. Side note, this trip to Disneyland did not happen. Who knows when it will? Back to the blog. And then I fear that I'm not being a good wife or parent because the pain from my medication is back. My hands, feet, and all of my other joints hurt. They feel like they are in fire or they just don't work. I do everything I can with my family, but I know it affects my mood when I can't do something or it just hurts when I get off the couch. Not asking for sympathy here, and I'm forever grateful that I'm here to feel the pain, but man, chronic pain stinks. So what I'm saying right now is fear is in the air on many levels, but I'm trying not to let it rule my life. I'm going to do my best to write more because it is so relaxing for me, however chaotic this post may seem. I'm going to do the best I can to live my life and enjoy every minute of it. A friend just said to me, said to me that 2020 is the year of doing things that make her happy. I am on board with that and throwing fear out the window. Okay, that one was a lot. Very chaotic. But last week, I wrote the follow-up one about it, entitled, One Year. How has it been one year? Life has drastically changed by something which was only previously imagined in books and movies. But it happened. A global pandemic, which has taken the lives of over 500,000 people, and almost 30 million people were infected in the United States alone. What the fuck? Excuse my French. Our day-to-day lives now consist of hand sanitizer, masks, and social distance. Honestly, I'm sure that I've spent hundreds of dollars on masks. In the beginning, it was the run on toilet paper, and I still don't understand that part. But it is a meme that will live on in infamy when talking about 2020 now. But now it is double masking to actually go into the store or ordering everything for outside pickup or delivery. And if you see someone you know when you actually go into a store, there is that awkward moment when you want to hug them because you're desperate for connection. You try to bump elbows or lean in oddly before remembering, oh, and you step back. Anyone could be asymptomatic and transfer it without attention, intention. One of my dearest friends gave me the best sanitizer a few months ago, which says it all. It's called Shit Show. 
The packaging says, I mean, I can't even. It's like, ugh, just ugh. Pretty much sums it all up. On Thursday, March 12th, 2020, my husband and I went out to dinner, a claim jumper. We had heard about the virus, which had started out in China and on cruise ships, and then hit New York and Washington states, but we were not super concerned yet. Then I got a text message from a friend that the schools were going to be closed early for spring break, starting on Friday the 13th. Oh, how ominous that was. I ordered a second glass of wine, hopeful that it would just be a long break from school and things would go back to normal ASAP. My son was thrilled because he had no idea what was coming. None of us did. We went to Target after dinner to stock up on wine and prepare for what was to come. There is truly not enough wine for what we have all been through. 365 days later, life is definitely not normal. As I write this, my son is inside of his Taekwondo studio in a mask with limited kids, and I'm sitting in the car because of restrictions. I'm so thankful that it is back open. It gives him a much needed break out of the house and allows him to be physical. He's been doing distance learning for a year. A year. Bless all of the educators and administrators out there. They're doing their best to make an impossible situation better. I'm so thankful that my kiddo is a good student and likes to stay in his pajamas all day while being on video calls with his class, but it has not been easy on anyone. I am not built to teach common core long division, period. Thankfully, spring break is around the corner and I'm looking forward to a week of no schedules or checking assignments or asking why something did not get submitted and no, get out of bed while you are on video with your class because I said so. Anxiety and depression have skyrocketed for many, myself included. The fear of the unknown. What will the Rona do? Will I get it? How bad can it actually be? Pretty bad, actually. I have a very close family member who had COVID and spent a month in the hospital. I cannot express the fear we all felt when she was given a 10% chance of survival. I mean, my God, they don't even tell cancer patients their chances of survival anymore. But with COVID, apparently they have to now. My God. Thankfully, she's home and on the mend. But waking up and every day and thinking the worst will truly damage your soul. We are luckier than many. My heart goes out to all those who have lost loved ones. I do feel that as a country, we are moving in the right direction and hope that the numbers will go down as the vaccines are given. But for many, vaccinations are a whole other discussion, which I cannot even wrap my head around. I know that I'm getting mine as soon as I can to protect myself and my loved ones, but you do you, no judgment here. I'm an extroverted introvert. I love people on my time. I love being social as long as I can go home and recharge. But my God, I never asked to recharge for this long. We love to host parties for any and all occasions. Nope, not now. Not being just able to hang out is miserable. Zoom and FaceTime are great, but man, video exhaustion has set in. 
Human beings crave connection and is not the same over a screen. I think we've all spent more time with our immediate families and our homes than many past years combined. Screen time. Oh my God, let's talk about screen time. It has skyrocketed for all of us. Movies, binge watching TV. I'm sure there's very few people who have not watched Tiger King by this point and playing games so we don't have to think about that we just need to stay home and isolate because for so long, there really has been no place to go. Oh, and did I mention that my husband was laid off in August? Seven months with no major income. Do not recommend. I work at a small nonprofit and my monthly paycheck covers our car payment. I'm so, so, so thankful that we had savings and that my marriage is strong because this was just a wee bit stressful. We are ecstatic that he started a new job a few weeks ago. We will not have to move in with any of you, but I would really like to visit all of you soon. Another thing that I've been really struggling with is reaching out to my friends. I have the best, best friends, hands down, and I'm so blessed. But do I pick up the phone? No. I know that I could call 100% any one of them at any moment to cry, vent, laugh, or share. But I have not wanted to burden them with my issues. Then I feel like a big flake because we say, oh, let's talk this weekend. And it doesn't happen. I don't even return phone calls anymore. That's really not who I am. But it's who I've become in the past year. This on top of not being able to see more people, get together for a play date with our kids, or even go into my office to work with our full team. It stinks, and I'm not dealing well with it at all. Instead, I play a lot of Phase 10 on my phone. One thing which has kept our sanity, somewhat, is the connections we have kept. Close friends live two blocks from us, and together, we decided that we were all in a quarantine pod. One thing which has kept our sanity somewhat is the connections we have kept. Close friends live two blocks together from us, and together, we decided that we were all in a quarantine pod from day one. Weekly dinners back and forth, kids not being able to play, Seeing people that do not share my last name is amazing, as is not having to cook every damn meal. Another saving grace has been amazing friends of ours that bought a travel trailer last year. We were able to spend so many fabulous weekends away with them, being safe and outside. I have another friend who I just see for coffee and compassion. She and I share so many similarities in life, and her hugs make me feel better. Hashtag Quarantines for the win. There were some other great things in 2020. I try often to remind myself. In August, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary by renewing our vows in Cabo. Originally, we had hoped for many friends and family to join us, but we had a small group of eight and it was perfect. We bought a Peloton bike last year to attempt to stay in shape. And I'm not a good worker outer. It has never been my thing ever. But now we've had it for a while. I'm feeling so much stronger and have more endurance. If I don't get on every day, I feel guilty and I miss it. I've successfully developed the habit that will keep going. We are connected with friends and accountable. My favorite coaches are Robin and Cody, FYI. Love them. 
coats and daytime and nighttime pajamas are also a win in my book. We also welcomed a new puppy in December. He's a black lab and super adorable. My older dog is finally happy with him, and we are one big happy two-dog family. My house might be covered in dog hair, but it's okay because only my quarantine sees it, and they love us anyway. But I digress. I have a lot of feelings right now, and I know things are going to get better. This year has been so hard. It's important to remember to give yourself a lot of grace. No one expects perfection or anything close right now. I'm at the point where I consider each day a success. And if we all go to bed still liking each other, fed, and have showered sometime within the last 48 hours. I found this quote, which I think is perfect to sum it all up. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain by Vivian Green. I'm doing my best it may look different every day, but I never stop dancing. Oh, thank you. Okay, we need to take a short break, so please stay with us. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back and thanks for hanging in there and learning a little bit more about me through my writing. Now onto something which was inspired two years ago from a Facebook post comparing a current photo with an old photo. I was really not inspired to do that on Facebook. Instead, I wrote about it. I have lots of feelings. It's not about how I've aged. It's about how I've lived. 
I've been hemming and hawing over whether I want to post my first and current profile pictures on Facebook to see how I have aged. I was not worried about the difference in my looks, because let me tell you, the last 11 years have done a number on me, but I'm 47 years old, I think. Sometimes takes me a while to remember, and the calculations are just impossible. There's no way to know. I am middle-aged. Of course I'm going to look old. What I thought about why does it matter? Excuse me. What I thought about was why it mattered how I have aged. Looking at the photos of my friends, I can honestly say that I prefer the way they all look now. And while we definitely had fewer wrinkles, and I had much less gray hair, and my jeans were a lot smaller, I would never trade any of those things for the amount of life that I've lived in these years. When my first photo was taken, I had just started dating my husband, and we were out wine tasting with my sister. It was an amazing day. My current photo was on my last birthday, out with my husband, my son, and two of my four bonus kids. It was also a great day. Sure, I drink a lot less now, and I need a hell of a lot more sleep, but I can still find the joy in my life. Also, in these 11 years, I married that awesome guy who cherishes me, and we have a son. Watching him grow is one of the best things in the world. Yet I have a scar from my C-section. Oh, well. We bought our first house together and have made it a home. Some days, the cost of the mortgage and property taxes add to my gray hair, but we have both worked very hard to have this home, and it is so worth it. I've had family members who I cherish deeply pass away, which still hurts my heart, and I have held the newborn babies of friends, which reminds me that no matter what happens, the world keeps turning, and it is fabulous. I have had friendships fade away just in the course of life, lack of similar interests or illness, but I've also made new friends who I know are in it for the long haul and will be there for me in good times and bad. I've had breast cancer twice. It's ridiculous and it's taken its toll on my body. I now have reconstructed breasts, but I don't need to wear a bra anymore. And one of them has a beautiful tattoo of cherry blossoms on it covering up some scars. Not because I didn't want to see the scars, but because I think cherry blossoms are beautiful and it's a sign of rebirth and that's what I was doing. I've had a full hysterectomy, but yay, no more periods. The medication that I take has a lot of side effects. I move slower. Don't get me started on the hot flashes. I can't get a full night's sleep to save my life and the pain in my joints make me feel like I'm in my 80s but I'm still here. I stopped working when my son was born and I was really good at my job. I chose to be a stay-at-home mom and I don't ever regret that, ever. But a couple years ago, I started to want more for me than to be someone's wife or mother. I needed to find my identity again. My second time around with cancer has led me to this new career that I have as a breast cancer advocate, a co-host on a radio show, and hopefully eventually a public speaker. All of these things are just some of what has happened in my life in the past 11 years, but I have lived and I would not have it any other way. I'm proud of my laugh lines around my eyes. They show that I have things to laugh at. I will cherish my wider hips. I have a son and I loved being pregnant. My gray hair takes less upkeep than any other color that I've tried.
Of course I have aged because I have lived. Okay, thank you for listening to that one. I'm going to get into one of my favorite ones right now um, called You Shall Not Pass. For those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans, you'll get the reference and it'll make sense in a minute. Here we go. Our family started to see a therapist, Dr. F, in the fall of 2017. On top of all of my cancer issues and the fallout from that, husband was on the road a lot for work and we were struggling with some kid issues. Teenagers are an interesting breed and that is putting it nicely. But this is a whole other post that I can only get to after I've had a whole bottle of wine while fighting and hiding in my closet. So we're going to save that one. But 2017 was an awful year. No way to sugarcoat it. When my husband and I went in to counseling for the first time, we shared our struggles. And Dr. F said, wow, you guys have a lot going on. I can't believe you've lasted so long on your own. We chuckled kind of at that one. Since that time, we have gone back together and individually and found it very helpful. I cannot recommend therapy enough. Everyone needs it, period. One of the things which came out of therapy for me during a role-playing session where Dr. F was the cancer and I talked directly to it was how angry I am that cancer invaded my breasts twice. Seriously? It is common sense that I'm angry about my cancer, but I generally am not one to show a lot of anger. I'm not a fighter. I can count the number of real fights that husband and I have had in 10 years on my fingers, possibly even one hand. Not that we don't disagree, and I think he's wrong, because I am always right. But he thinks I'm irrational and over-emotional. Well, probably because I am. But I'm also a repressor. I keep anger inside and it comes out in snide comments or snappish behavior. I don't know how to tell my cancer that. And so I've kept the anger about that cancer bottled up. I don't want to complain about it all the time or be an angry person. So I ignore it and I push it down. Dr. F wants me to let it all out, but in a healthy way. We put up a heavy bag in the garage last Christmas so I could use my new pink boxing gloves on it. I've been advised to put something on the bag which represents the cancer and punch and kick the crap out of it. I don't do that very often, but it is a great idea. But a lot of the time it stays an idea because I don't have a lot of extra physical energy to actually go do that. One thing Dr. F has also recommended for me was meditation to relax at night and help me fall asleep. The app called Calm is phenomenal, and I recommend it to anyone who wants to focus on relaxation, meditation, etc. It has breathing exercises, guided therapy sessions, sleep sessions, music, and nature sounds. And during the day, I often try to lie down and listen to a podcast. I'm currently obsessed with wine and crime, by the way, to rest or even take a nap. I need to listen to something to be able to turn off my mind because it races in so many different directions. What do I need to do later today or tomorrow? Which projects around the house are not getting done if I'm resting? What is on my to-do list for breast friends or Cub Scouts or the fall festival? These are things which I need to tune out. Having a pleasant voice guiding me in breathing definitely does the trick. 
But in addition to being angry, I'm also so afraid that the cancer will return and I will end up with metastatic cancer in another part of my body. Last week, Dr. F led me in a guided meditation to help me address these fears. She said I could lie down on the couch instead of staying upright, because I was afraid I was going to fall asleep or drool because, you know, tired. However, once she started talking in the soothing voice, I wished I was lying down. She rang her chimes and began to lead my mind. I was seated on a bench in a green field facing a mountain. It was a beautiful, warm spring day with a slight breeze with birds and butterflies in the air. To my right was a thick grove of trees, but it was inviting. I got up and walked toward the forest as of being called towards it. I found a very large old tree in my path, like a giant redwood. As I got closer, I saw the outline of a large door, but without a handle. A light was shining around the door, glowing and pulsing. I knew I had to find that light within the tree. I placed my hand on the door and it opened. I walked inside and while I could not find any source of the light, it surrounded me in the warm glow and I was at peace. I felt a presence beside me and turned to find my protector who I could count on when I feel afraid and who would fight beside me when I did not have the energy to fight myself. Who was this magical protector, you might ask? Gandalf the White, of course. His image was the one who came to mind when Dr. F was talking about this guardian presence by my side. He had his staff in hand with the crystal orb held tightly within his branches. Side note, I so desperately want a crystal staff. End note. All I can picture is yelling, is him yelling at my new cancer. You shall not pass. Just like he yelled to the Balrog on the bridge. Yeah, I know he's defeated on the bridge and goes down with the Balrog. And he's technically Gandalf the Grey at this point. But I'm thinking of him coming back stronger and ready to kick cancer's ass as Gandalf the White. He's in my mind and going to help me keep any new cancer out of my body. In this peaceful place in the center of the tree, Gandalf is holding a pouch of pearlescent anti-cancer powder, which he proceeds to toss lightly in the air and it floats down over me. Finally, I'm ready to leave the tree and I head back out to the meadow and back over to the bench. However, now that I have my guardian by my side, who will help to give me strength. I know that he will always be there to protect me and he's inside of me at all times. Dr. F rang her chimes again and the meditation was over. She reminded me that yes, that power is inside me and all I have to do is call on Gandalf and have him tell all of the new cancers that might want to invade my body to fuck off. Then so be it. Whenever I feel angry about what cancer has done to my life or anxious and scared that it might return, I close my eyes, breathe deeply, and head to the tree for a sparkly dust shower. Whew. I do have a vivid imagination. I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, but the guided meditation definitely helped me to focus on my own inner strength. And yes, it might be weird that I call him Gandalf, but you know what? It is what it is. And he is my super secret anti-cancer strength. <laughs> 
Next, I would like to share a post called, Does Anyone Need an Oxygen Mask? for my one-year post-mastectomy. I am struggling. This is hard. Life draining hard. The changes which cancer has brought into my life, both physically and emotionally, are still taking a huge toll on my life eight months after my treatment ended. I'm tired all the time, like bags under my eyes tired every day. I'm gaining weight. F you very much, menopause. I feel like I'm failing as a wife. I can't sit on the floor and be active with my son. I try to read a book and I usually fall asleep. See above, tired. I wake up numerous times a night due to the hot flashes. Again, tired. I have at least three or four blog posts in my head and I don't have the energy to sit down and focus on writing and I love to write. I feel guilty every time I leave the house and my dog looks at me with his big brown eyes and I know that he's thinking, when do I get to leave the house? When do I get a walk? I have two or three appointments every week with a naturopath, massage therapist and physical therapist, all who give me homework various exercises and stretches, which I'm supposed to do every day. I can't begin to remember all of them, let alone find the energy to do any of them. I'm sure my friends believe I've dropped them. I barely return texts, let alone phone calls. The last thing I want to do is complain to my friends about how crappy I feel all of the time and how it dominates my life. I'm sure my bleh, excuse me, I'm sure my friends believe I've dropped them. Oh, I already said that. Ha! That's where cancer brain comes in. So I'm in chronic pain. My left arm and shoulder just hurt and has limited range of motion. If I move wrong and I try to do something out of range, I get a shooting pain from shoulder to fingertips. It brings tears to my eyes. My joints and hips are stiff. If I sit for longer than an hour, I struggle to get up and often need help. If I kneel down, I need a hand to pull me up or something to push myself up on. The side effects of the medication which I'm taking to hopefully prevent future cancer contribute to the fatigue, hot flashes, insomnia, and joint pain. And lucky me, I get to take them for years. That alone depresses the shit out of me. But despite all of this, I still feel the need to take care of others ahead of myself. It is such a part of who I am. As a teenager, I helped to raise my sister. As an adult in my career, I took care of lawyers, CEOs, board members, and entire offices. As a wife and a mother, I took care of my family. As a friend, I did my best to help out where I could. I provided care to others in return for love, gratitude, and praise. My therapist helped me figure out that part. With everything else that has gone on since my second cancer diagnosis, I feel that life has exploded and I'm pretty useless. It has led to depression, more anxiety, and emotional upheaval. I want my old life back, but clearly that is not going to happen. I was talking to my massage therapist about all of this and how I feel I'm sinking under the weight of what I need to do. 
She asked me if I was familiar with the oxygen mask theory. I thought for a moment and quickly realized what she meant. When the plane is going down and the masks are falling from the ceiling, put your mask on before you put the mask on your child. If you pass out, you won't be any help to your child or anyone else. If you don't take care of yourself first, there is no way that you will be able to take someone care of someone else in any capacity, physically, mentally, or emotionally. It sounds so simple, yet many of us, myself included, often fail to practice this. Why is it so hard to take care of ourselves? The aftermath of breast cancer 2017 has forced me to do this. I nap whenever possible, which I still feel guilty about, but I need it. I see my massage therapist and my naturopath. I do physical therapy. I'm trying to take better care of myself, but it's hard work and it's exhausting. I'm so thankful that my husband works hard to support our family so I can be home dealing with this. But right now, I'm trying to not be so hard on myself, to rest, to give my body time to heal. I know it's needed to be done, but it's easier said than done. But they're good words to live by. Don't be so hard on yourself. Give your body permission to heal and rest. Okay. Thanks for being with us. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. I'm Michelle Beck our co-host, and I've been reading some of my personal blog posts related to COVID, cancer, 
therapy, and now I'm going to move on to something lighter. It stems from my cancer tangentially and provided some good laughs. So here goes, don't judge me. And remember, I live in a state where this is legal. This one is called that time I got accidentally super high. Husband and I dropped off our son at the gym for kids night out. Well, it's really parents night out, but we tell him it's all about him. Anyway, we had four hours to kill and we're faced with that age old question, which everyone in a relationship hates. What do you want for dinner? We somehow made it to my husband's favorite sushi place. And I took one for the team eating only fully cooked non-fishy items. We still had some more time on our hands, and instead of going to a movie, which is our standard MO, I said, hey, let's go furniture shopping. I had just made the last payment on our kitchen table, so apparently felt like we had money to burn. Cocktails definitely helped this train of thought. Thankfully, the high-end store where we had bought a few things at was closed. Whew, dodge that bullet. Instead, we ended up at another furniture store, and found not just a set of new family room furniture, but also a new master bedroom set. I've had the same master bedroom set since I was 23. It was definitely time. But anyway, we found both sets and we were like, gosh, what do we do? We figured they would only give us financing for one as they were about the same cost. Nope, we qualified for all of it. With four and a half years, no interest financing. Holy crap. We had to go home and think on it and let the alcohol get out of our system before we made this decision. The next morning, we got up and went to brunch with some friends, bottomless mimosas, and also Bloody Marys, which came with a skewer of bacon and shrimp. Winning! Then we went back to the furniture store and bought it all. If you ever need to pull the trigger on a big purchase and you are wavering, go have cocktails first. I just made a really short story long and this post isn't even about furniture it's about when we were moving items from the old dresser to the new dresser and i got so accidentally freaking high on edibles which were in the drawer after my mastectomy i was in constant pain my husband did a bunch of research and went to the local dispensary and bought me a bunch of different things to try while it is legal here in Oregon, it does still feel weird for me to buy it and use it. He came home with edibles with THC, oils with CBD, a vape pen with THC and CBD for pain and one for sleep. The gummies at night are my best friend. He found a hybrid vape oil called Girl Scout Cookie Strain, which is highly recommended for physical pain. And I do use it when my joints are really aching because it helps a lot. I've never been a big pot user other than a few times in college, and it just did not appeal to me. I hate the taste and the actual process of smoking it. Ugh. But anyway, in the midst of moving things in our bedroom after a long day with friends and another bottomless mimosa brunch, we tend to go to that place a lot. Time at the pool and dinner with friends. I was tired. Husband asked if I wanted an edible to relax since he had found them in the old drawer as we were moving stuff. Sure, why not? It was salted caramel, which I love in candy form. It's my favorite. I grabbed it out of the box, noticed that it looked a little misshapen and melted, and tossed it in my mouth. I was pleasantly surprised at how it barely had any pot flavor to it. While I was in the process of chewing, savoring, and swallowing it, my husband looked at the empty box and then back 
looked back at me and gasped. That was four servings. I didn't have my glasses on, so there was no way I could have read that tiny serving information. At that point, I figured, well, too late now, and I went with it. I mean, how bad could four servings of an edible be? Pretty bad. We finished moving all of our stuff into our new matching grown-up bedroom set. Woohoo! And I started to see things as we sat down on the TV, sat down to watch TV on our new reclining old person couch. Best thing ever. Anyway, about halfway through the show, things were strange. I started seeing things which weren't there. Aliens, flowers, people I knew in the show. Oh, when it was over, I went to stand up and had to immediately sit back down before I fell over because the floor was moving. I felt like I needed one of those things under my butt where it would propel me off the couch because I just couldn't do it on my own. Then two of our teenagers were walking in and out of the room and I knew enough that I did not want them to see me like that. Do as I say, not as I do. I waited until they were gone and started to uncontrollably giggle. My husband looked over at me as he was letting the dog out, and I think I laugh whispered, I'm so effing high. Ha! He was kind enough to not laugh too hard at me to get me off the couch and help me up the stairs into our room. It's normally hard for me to get out of whatever top I'm wearing due to the lack of range in my left arm. That night was 1,000% harder because the room was spinning. My arms had decided not to work. I was a mess. Somehow I got in some pajamas. Thankfully, I had already washed my face or else I am sure I would have strangled myself with the washcloth. Brushing my teeth was an adventure. My toothbrush beeps every 30 seconds to alert me to brush another part of my mouth, but I was positive that it was broken because it never beeped. I must have changed sides of my mouth 20 times, and it felt like I brushed my teeth for 30 minutes. My husband assuredly assured me that it was only two, but I was positive that it was much, much longer than that. Our new bed is really high, like at my hip. The bed frame on the showroom floor had a low-profile box spring. Ours is standard, and then we have a two-inch memory foam pad along with a down cover on it. When I get into it, I kind of have to lean into the bed, jump a little, and swing my legs up. Doing it while super stoned had to be hilarious to watch. I think I threw myself onto it, tried to swing my legs up, and ended up in a big heap, laughing and crying at the same time. Our bed is as high as the Empire State Building, I exclaimed a few times, and was positive that the people had set it up wrong and that it was tipping and I was going to fall right off and smack into the floor. Even if that did happen, I'm sure that I would not have felt anything because my body was pretty numb. I tried to snuggle into my husband and I ended up doing the typical, I'm so sorry, I never want to feel like this again, while I was laughing and crying at the same time. No adult time for us tonight. I could not stop giggling or crying or a combination of both, even though I really wanted to. Everything was funny. I thought it was hilarious but the damn room would not stop spinning. And it's a four-poster bed, and we have a fan on the ceiling. So the bed was spinning, the fan was spinning, the room was spinning, I was spinning. It was not good. 
I finally just laid like a corpse, hoping the less I moved that the room would do the same. My husband was trying to ignore my random giggling and turned on the TV, but their voices sounded like aliens to me. And I was really trying hard to understand it. Finally, I fell asleep, or rather blissfully, just passed out. The next day, I was in a fog and not surprisingly, very hungover. Different than an alcohol. Hangover, but awful just the same. My cancer adventures have come in all shapes and sizes, but this one takes the cake. Thank God there was no actual cake in the house. I'm sure I would have eaten the entire thing. So thanks for listening to that one. It's one of my favorites. And here is something that um, I wrote that's really near and dear to my heart. I have a blog which is called I Never Liked Pink. And that's a whole other story that I could get into. But I will tell you, I absolutely love the artist named Pink. I wrote her a letter a few years ago before going to one of her concerts. And here it is. Pink, you have been a part of my battle with cancer, and I wanted to thank you. In the fall of 2012, I anxiously awaited the moment when the tickets went on sale for the Truth About Love Las Vegas show as we were making a weekend out of it with another couple. Woo! Good tickets secured, and I was just counting down the days. Then in early December, I went in for a regular mammogram and heard the devastating news. I had breast cancer. During my first visit to the oncologist, as we discussed surgery and radiation options, one of the very first questions I asked her was, I can still go to Las Vegas to see Pink in concert, right? Thankfully, the answer was yes. And I saw Pink in concert and sang my heart out 18 days after my lumpectomy. I was exhausted the rest of the weekend, but you made it all worthwhile. Fast forward to 2017, I received another breast cancer diagnosis, and it became the worst year of my life. I had a bilateral mastectomy, a full hysterectomy, and an implant exchange for reconstruction. I take medication, which is extremely hot on my joints and muscles muscles and I'm one big hot flash. I tried to take a part-time job at my son's school, but I could not be on my feet and had to quit. I was a crying mess for days. Then Beautiful Trauma, your new album came out. It is as incredible as is all of your music, but when I heard Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, it spoke to my heart. The first time I heard it, I let the words wash over me, and I listened to it over and over. It reminded me that I have fight in me, and I will not let the cancer and all of the shit that comes with it break me down. I started to volunteer at a support organization for breast cancer survivors, and also at my son's school. I write a public blog about my journey, and one day I'm going to write a book and be a speaker hopefully to encourage other women to keep fighting. I have the strength and the power in me. Thank you, Pink, for putting it into words and giving me the strength with your music and just being a role model of a true woman who works so hard at making it all work. 
but also shows that it sure isn't easy. My wild heart can't be broken. For those of you who don't know the words to this amazing song, here they are. Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken by Pink. I will have to die for this I fear. There's rage and terror and there's sickness here. I fight because I have to. I fight for us to know the truth. There's not enough rope to tie me down. There's not enough tape to shut this mouth. The stones you throw can make me bleed, but I won't stop until we're free. Wild hearts can't be broken. No wild hearts can't be broken. This is my rally cry. I know it's hard. We have to try. This is a battle I must win. To want my share is not a sin. There's not enough rope to tie me down. There's not enough tape to shut this mouth. The stones you throw can make me bleed, but I won't stop until we're free. Wild hearts can't be broken. No wild hearts can't be broken. You beat me. You betray me. You're losing. We're winning. My spirit above me. You cannot deny me. My freedom is burning. This broken world keeps turning. I'll never surrender. There's nothing but a victory. There's not enough rope to tie me down. There's not enough tape to shut this mouth. The stones you throw can make me bleed, but I won't stop until we're free. Wild hearts can't be broken. Thank you, Pink, for being my inspiration. And thank you all for joining me today. And I hope you know me a little bit better. I'm so thankful to be here and sending my love and support out to Becky Olson. If you or a loved one are in need of our services, please visit www.breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. The show is available across many platforms. We're on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel or search Breast Friends wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest here with me, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.